Good morning. How are we doing? We all okay? Good, good, good. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to Acts chapter 8. Um, we're going to be continuing our Acts of Courage series. Um, and we're going to be looking um, at... Last time, last week for Father's Day, we looked at Philip. Do you remember? And I picked out nine character traits that we rattled our way through. Well, this morning I'm picking another um, character to look at. We're going to be looking at Simon the Sorcerer. So that's a bit different, isn't it? So uh, we're going to be looking at Simon the Sorcerer and seeing, um, well, we're we're going to take the story a step at a time and see how it goes. Um, I I just want to... um, just before we, we dive in and, and, and continue looking at the word, I just want to take this opportunity just to really honour the guys from Petzalotzi because I think they're absolutely incredible. We are so pleased that you are part of our community for the 10 months that you are in the UK. Um, it was a real joy particularly to see Madhu and Marshall baptised, wasn't it, a few weeks ago? Just really good to hear some of their testimony. And Marshall, where are you Marshall? Who is always blessed, aren't you? You're always blessed. I tell you, we, we could learn from that. When people say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. Do you know what I mean? I, I, it'll do you good, and it'll do the person who asks you the question, rather than hearing all your moans and groans. Cool, dear, that would be, be good. And, uh, and Teresa, could you stand up? Now, Teresa is an amazing woman of God. This is, this is her last this is her last time with us on a Sunday. Well, last time with us. And I just wanted to ask Teresa to stand up because um, not only is she part of our community here on a Sunday and part of what we do midweek, but Teresa pretty much comes to every Sunday morning 7am prayer meeting and has done over the sort of the last 18 months. And I, I just want to honour you because you're such an example to us, your passion in prayer, the way you've thrown yourself into this church. You're just an amazing woman of God. And I want to pray that particularly for you as, as you go, God will mightily, mightily bless you in what God gives you for the future. You're amazing. Can we just honour Teresa? She's... Anyway, before I start crying like Steve Young, who's crying away there like a... Like, yeah, anyway, before, before I do that, um, have, you ever, have you ever sort of um, been sat at a window... And you've got a little child on your lap, maybe just two years old or, or a baby. And you, you notice something out of the window and, uh, and you point. You, you say, look, look, out there. Look, look, look what's happening out of the window. And rather than the little child or the baby following where your finger is pointing, actually what happens is they just look at your hand. You know, they just... And they try, they try and make the shape themselves or they grab hold of your finger and try and waggle it around. Rather, rather than looking at the object that you are pointing towards, they become totally caught up with your finger. They get totally caught up with your hand and, as it were, the pointing that is going on. Have you ever, you ever come across that? And there could be something amazing going on outside. They completely miss it. They, they completely miss it because they're caught up with the hand. Um, sometimes my boys have the real privilege of going to watch Gillingham play with me. There's no need for the laughing. 
And as you can imagine, scoring goals is not a frequent occurrence. You know, when, when it happens, it's a bit of a collector's item. And on occasion, they've been so caught up with the sweets they're eating or the drink that they're drinking that they miss the main event. It's like they score about five goals in a season. <laughs> and they missed it. They missed the main event. They got caught up looking at something that, that actually is relatively insignificant. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. We're going to be looking at a man called Simon, um, who was a sorcerer. And he, caught, he got caught up with something that was secondary. He got caught up with something that actually is pointing to the main event. And I want to preach my way through this story because I want it to come as a challenge to us not to get caught up with secondary things, but to make sure that we get amazed, not at the hand or the thing that is pointing, but to the object, the object that it is pointing towards. So that's what we're going to be looking at. And the title of what I'm uh, speaking on today is, Are You Amazed at the Right Thing? Is it, is it the right thing that is amazing you this morning? And we'll unpack that as we work our way through. Now, as we pick the story up in verse 9 of chapter 8, um, Philip has gone down to Samaria. He went down to Samaria because of a great persecution that happened in Jerusalem. It says Saul had gone wild. He had, he, on the back of Stephen being martyred, he, he had come, he, 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 a systematic persecution and destruction of the church had started that had driven the best part of 10,000 Christians in, in the city out to the surrounding area. And Philip, as it were, had been pursued out of Jerusalem into Samaria that was situated about 30 miles north um, of Jerusalem. When Philip arrives in Samaria, he starts preaching about Jesus. He sets the oppressed free. He, seals the, he sees the um, sick healed. There's great joy in the city, and everyone pays attention to him. So let's pick up the story in verse 9 of chapter 8. Words will come up behind me. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. But they paid attention, so, and they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, God dear, I'm struggling to read. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing the signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So Terry Virgo picked this up a few weeks ago, didn't he? So we're not going to look at that. Now when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. 
But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, and your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in gall of bitterness, and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now, when they had testified and spoken of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Let's pray and then we're going to dive in. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it's powerful and effective. And I pray, Lord Jesus, please will you enable me to communicate effectively this morning. I pray would you fill me afresh right now of your Holy Spirit and anoint me for this. And I pray for every single one of us here, Lord, that we would be freshly captivated by you, Jesus. Lord, I pray we'd catch a glimpse of you this morning, Lord God, and we would treasure you above and beyond anything else. I ask you if it just all feels a little bit staid, even a little bit boring. I ask you, Lord God, that you'll take these words of mine, breathe life into them, and would they cause our hearts to burn afresh with a passion for you. I pray, Lord God, would we imitate that long queue of people outside next on Boxing Day morning at 4am who are so passionate for the treasure of a bargain that they will queue up for hours and rush in with such single-mindedness and enthusiasm to grab things that do not last. I pray, Lord God, would we treasure you more highly. Would it be worked out in our lives afresh, I pray. Amen. So we're going to look at this under two um, headings. Um, The first one is that Simon was amazed at the miracles. And I guess in some way we can forgive him for that. Um, Miracles are are pretty incredible um, things. And what I'm going to do is just work my way through the first half of the story, um, and then we're going to look at the reverse of it. We find in verses 9 to 11 that Simon was a magician. Um, when it says that, it doesn't mean he was like Paul Daniels. It doesn't mean that he pulled you know, flowers out of his sleeve and rabbits out of a hat, you know, a few card tricks on the side. It means that he practiced the occult. He practiced black magic. Um, he had something about him. He, he called on the powers of darkness for supernatural things to take place. Whether it was some sort of fortune telling or predicting the future or some sort of healing, that is what Simon did. From the least to the greatest, people paid attention to him. You know, everyone in the city of Samaria knew Simon the magician. They knew him because he had something about him. He'd been doing it for a long time. He was very, very good at it. Um, He probably had a bit of an ego problem. Because he liked to be called the great. You know, if you're going to give yourself a title or a nickname. I am the great. That's that's how people described him. That's how he wanted to describe himself. He, He was the power of God. That is called great. 
He may have had a few ego or pride issues um, that needed um, working through. He loved to amaze people. It says that people were amazed at what he did. And then in verse 12, we find that Philip turns up and he preaches the kingdom of God. He preaches about Jesus Christ. Healings take place. Unclean spirits are ejected from people's lives. It's as though a greater power has turned up. Someone greater than the power that Simon was relying on had turned up in Samaria and everyone knew about it. People started to respond. And it resulted in people being baptised Even Simon the sorcerer responds to the gospel. It says, well, he responds to something. He believes and is baptized. And it says in verse um, 13, the second half of verse 13, it says this, And seeing the signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Simon loved to amaze people. He loved to be great. But suddenly something was going on that amazed him. And I guess at this point, a little bit of doubt starts to creep into my mind as to actually what is it that Simon has responded to? Has he come to Jesus or has he come to the signs and wonders? Is he focusing on the finger, the hand, that is pointing? Or is he focusing on the object that the hand is pointing to, which is the risen Lord Jesus? Because, you know, signs, wonders and miracles are are wonderful. I'm going to touch on that in a little while. But in the end, all they're pointing to is Jesus Christ and the fact that he's risen from the dead and that he's Lord of Lords and that he's the King of Kings. What, what was it? What was it that Simon was caught up with? It's interesting that although Simon believes and is baptised, a lot of commentators, so by that I mean guys who know the Bible really, really well, they know the original language, they're much more experts than I am in the Bible, quite a few of them doubt as to whether Simon actually was a Christian or not. They, they question, he, he, and it says he was baptised. Did Philip get it wrong? I I don't know. I don't know whether he was a Christian or not, but if you read Peter's rebuke of Simon, God dear, I'm pleased he's not my pastor. But it's interesting, if you read the Bible, there is a biblical precedent for those that show initial gospel fruit, but actually at the end, are they truly saved or not? If you take the parable of the sower... You know, the seed that's sown on the hard ground and, and the birds there, they just come and snatch it away. It's as though you hear what I'm saying today, but it doesn't even land in your heart. It doesn't go anywhere. It's just stolen away before, before you can even receive it. There's other people that receive it and, and, and it grows, but, but, but then it says thistles and thorns grow up around it. And it says that the pressures, 
It says that the, the, the troubles of this life, it says that the desire for wealth, it's as though it sort of throttles it and it doesn't bear fruit. I, I guess they're probably people that are Christians, but they're not, they're not fruitful as they should be. There's just, they, get, they get all twisted up. There's good soil and it bears a crop even 30, 60 or 100 fold. But there's this, this other, there's these others where seed is sown, it says in shallow ground and it shoots up really quickly. The seed grows really, really quickly. But, but when troubles come along, it just withers and it, and it dies. And it seems as though Jesus is saying that you can show something of an initial um, response to the gospel, but, it, but it, really, it really hasn't taken root in your heart. It's not that you were once saved and then you lose it. No, you never were a Christian, but you're showing something, some sort of signs. I think that's a warning, isn't it? Warning for us just to think. You know, not just to rest on our laurels and say, oh, I made a response 20 years ago, but, but really there's no fruit to distinguish that I'm any different from how I was before. Well, I think probably the Bible would say, well, are you saved? Are you a Christian or do you need to consider whether the gospel's really borne fruit in your life? Jesus says something, and this is really, this is really powerful in Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And in our, in our day and age where we ask people to respond to the gospel and pray a prayer of repentance, which is, which is good and it's right, it's really important that we encourage people to, we want to see a fruitfulness, something growing out of that response. Because if, if you've been united with Jesus, if you've become a Christian, you will bear fruit, won't you? It's not about losing something because absolutely if you've given your life to Christ and you are saved and you are in, in his family, you can't lose that. But, but, but we've, got, we've got to be careful. We're not just complacent thinking, oh yeah, back in 19, uh, whatever it was, 85, I, I prayed a prayer of repentance and, and Jesus is just this little thing over here on the side. I pretty much do life exactly how I want. I, I'd, say, I'd, I'd ask you just pause for a moment. Is he your Lord? If he's not your Lord, then he's not your saviour. I think for Simon the problem was there was no repentance. He was amazed at the miracles. He loved something about what was happening with the community that is the church. But actually when it got down to that personal relationship with Jesus, there wasn't repentance there. There wasn't an understanding that he needed the grace and the mercy of God to flood into his soul. He needed to be born again. Adding a little bit of religion onto my old life isn't enough. I can't, I can't improve myself. I need a completely fresh start. I need Jesus. I need him. That's what it's about. Philip preached a proper gospel with authentic signs and wonders. There was nothing wrong with what Philip did. He, he did it well. The, the problem was that Simon was not right in his heart. I think one translation says he was crooked in his heart. And when, Simon, sorry, when Peter rebukes Simon, I'm getting confused with all of the names. When Peter rebukes Simon, what's he telling him to do? He says, repent. He says to him, repent of your sin. Repent literally means to think differently or to reconsider. 
It, it, it has less to do with saying sorry and more to do with a total transformation in our thoughts about ourselves, God and his kingdom. Repentance has a, it's a change of thinking. I'm thinking differently about myself. I cannot fix myself. I cannot improve myself. I don't just need a little bit more Jesus in my life. Just a little bit on the side. I'll carry on living just how I wanted to, but I've got a little bit of Jesus. That's enough for me. No, it's not. It's a transformation in how we think about ourselves, how we think about God, how we think about his kingdom. That's what repentance is. It leads to a change of thinking, which leads to a change of action. Now, we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. It's a free gift of the mercy of God. But we need to throw ourselves on Christ, him and him alone. He is my saviour. He is my hope. Now, I don't want you to misapply the warning here. You could, you could hear what I'm saying and say, oh, well, Simon got distracted by the signs and wonders, so it's best if we don't do them. Best thing is we won't do, we won't do any miracles or healings because that might just confuse people. They might get so caught up with the miracles and the healings that they miss Jesus. No, that's not the application. That's not the application. Samaria was full of the occult. Witchcraft, spiritual weirdness. They believed in the supernatural. In actual fact, Simon the sorcerer had been preparing Samaria for the gospel for years. He just didn't realize it. They, they, were, they were alive to spiritual things. They were just following the wrong God. So when Philip came and proclaimed a clear message of come to Jesus in repentance and faith, and then it was backed up, it was um, authenticized. Is that such a word now? Authenticized? Oh, it's a new word. The, the authentic healings, miracles, um, uh, the oppressed being set free, it caught their attention because they'd seen something of it mixed in with fear um, and pain and suspicion. They'd seen something of it, but then they saw the authentic, the all-powerful, the overarching from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords mixed with grace and mercy and truth and suddenly like, wow, this is so much better. The Apostle Paul, greatest theologian that has ever existed, says in 1 Corinthians 2, well, other than Jesus, says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, um, something along the lines of, when I came to you, to the church at Corinth, I did not come, I'll read it to you. If you've got your Bibles, you want to turn to it, um, feel free to. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling, and my speech and my message were not pl with plausible words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Even the Apostle Paul knew there was a place for signs, wonders, and miracles. Chris Vallotton says this, he's one of the pastors out of Bethel, he says, the people who can't find power in the church visit a seance or a cult meeting to find the enemy's counterfeit power. Although it's the dark side, it is real, and they turn to it. 
If they cannot find supernatural power in the church, they will sadly go to where they can. Proverbs 27 verse 7 says, To a famished man, any bitter thing is sweet. If you're hungry, you'll just go where you can find something that is authentic, even if it's not going to do you any good. The church is meant to be supernatural. It's meant to be full of the Holy Spirit. It's meant to be full of healings and miracles and seeing the oppressed set free. That's who we are designed to be. I met a young lady in town a few weeks ago. Um, we, were, we were just in town one Friday lunchtime just talking to people about Jesus and uh, seeing, seeing, seeing what was going on. Uh, this, this young lady at one level had had a lot more supernatural experiences than I had. She, she was open to the supernatural. She was open to those things. What she, she, what she needed to know was that Jesus loved her. And she wanted to experience an authentic power that would change her life. She was so broken. I asked, I asked her, the opening question is, if God could do one miracle in your life, what would it be? She said that every human being on the face of the planet would be wiped out, including me. She's absolutely broken. But, but she, she, the, the supernatural didn't bother her. I think it bothers us a bit more than it bothered her, probably. We need it in the church. And anyway, anyway, that's only, signs, wonders and miracles, they're only one, one thing pointing to Jesus. In our church, we've got loads of different things that point to Jesus. Maybe it's the kids' work. Maybe that's why you're here. We've got, we've got some amazing, amazing kids' work with some great kids' workers, and your kids are going to be engaged. And, and, and it's, it's wonderful. I, I love it, but... but if you're coming because of that, not because of Jesus, I want you to realign this morning. If you're coming because of a great sense of community, and we're all so friendly. Such a sense of community. Well, well we are, and we want to be even more so, but, but it's only a finger, it's only a hand pointing to Jesus. Maybe it's because of the worship experience. We were meant to finish the worship at 20 past 10. That was the plan. But, but we got caught up. We're connecting with Jesus. So we let it go a bit. But, but if you're just coming because you love the experience, the emotions, you get a bit of tears in your eyes and it's happy, that's, that's good. But it's only pointing, it's pointing to Jesus. Maybe it's the way we care for the poor. And the fact that you can make a real difference in the community if you're with us. You could join up one of, one of our amazing teams. That's good too. They're awesome. They're not as awesome as Jesus. They're just pointing to the fact that Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And for Simon, that's what he should have been looking at. See, my second point is this. Simon should have been amazed at Jesus. That's what should have amazed him. Yeah, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, they're good. We get excited. We clap and we cheer. We celebrate what God's doing. And I want us to get better at that. But in the end, they're just pointing to Jesus. He should have looked. He should have looked at where the hand was pointing and seen a resurrected saviour, Jesus Christ. He should have seen Jesus Christ seated on the throne, ruling and reigning. With every person, government and nation under his feet. He would have seen a king with authority over sickness and every spiritual power. 
He'd have seen a throne surrounded by thousands upon thousands of angels who are flying and bowing and worshipping and they're singing, holy, holy, holy. They're singing, worthy, worthy, worthy. This is what Simon should have been captivated by. This is what he should have been amazed at, was Jesus Christ sat on his throne. He'd have heard about the incarnation. That's not a spell or something like that. The incarnation is Jesus coming in human form, being clothed with flesh and bone. He'd have heard the eternal God, the, the creator who clothed himself with humanity and stepped into his own creation. He'd have seen a God who stepped into, as it were, limitation of a human frame. Jesus, who would have experienced sickness, temptation, he'd have seen sin. Sorry, Phil, not that you're sin, but he'd have seen, he'd have seen sin right in front of him. He could have reached out, he could have touched it. Whereas before, Jesus wouldn't have experienced that in heaven. But, but that's, that should have amazed Philip. No, Simon. <laughs> that should have amazed Simon that Jesus came and did that. And for over 30 years, Jesus lived a faith-filled, perfect, obedient life to his father, father, thought, word, action. That should have captivated Simon. Jesus tempted by Satan himself, but did not waver. Rejected by the crowds but did not waver. His closest friend in his greatest hour of need turned his back three times and says, I do not know him, but Jesus did not waver. That should have amazed Simon. Given over to a defeated enemy where he was mocked, he was rejected, he was crucified. That should have amazed Simon. The cross. Simon should have realised it's for me. Miracles, the miracles were good, but they're pointing to what Jesus had done for him. Simon should have realised it should have been me. It was my crime. The facts are undeniable. I am guilty. The sentence is right, perfect and holy. It should have been me. Simon, who had given himself in the pursuit of the counterfeit. Simon, who had pursued power and wealth, who had caused pain and led others astray manipulating people and taking them towards the father of lies and destruction. Simon should have seen Jesus and realised he did it for him. Yet Jesus did not count Simon's sins against him. He took them, he carried them, he paid the price for them so that he could be set free, that he could know adoption as a child of God. 
That he could have the perfect love of God pour into his heart. All of these things should have amazed Simon. Because of what Jesus did. My guilt exchanged for his righteousness. My slavery for his ransom price. My filth for his purity. My defiled conscience for his blood washing cleansing. My rebellion for his adoption. He took my place. He bore my cross. He drank right to the bottom of the cup so that I wouldn't have to. All of these things Simon could have marveled at and said, Oh, what a saviour, Jesus. But he missed it. It says in Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8, When the time came... Jesus set aside the privileges of the deity. He took the status of a slave, became human. And having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim any special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life, and then he died a selfless, obedient death. The worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Now, as Jesus stretched out his hands on the cross and he came to say, and he said, I came to save you. Humanity snarled back. We don't want your salvation and drove the nails in a little bit further. But he still went through with it. That, that should have amazed Simon. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Here is love, vast as an ocean, loving kindness as a flood. When the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. Grace and love like mighty rivers poured incessant from above. And heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world in love. Jesus isn't in a tomb. He's seated at his father's right hand. Death defeated. Satan defeated. Sin defeated. Ultimately, sickness defeated. Salvation won. God's kingdom come. Jesus Christ is the victorious one. If not to oversay the same line again. That should have amazed Simon. Simon is not the great one. Jesus is. Simon's amazement finished at the miracles. But they're only the start. They're pointing to one who will amaze us for eternity. We will worship him for eternity and we will never run out of things to sing about. We will never get to the end of our amazement of the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Do you see Christ in the gospel as beautiful? You know that picture that Adrian had I thought was so cool. 
on sale day. All of these people looking for a bargain. On your marks. Get set. Chloe, my wife, she works in Next. She says that hopefully none of you are 4am shoppers at Next. The behaviour of some of the... Sh- Sorry, actually, I probably shouldn't recruit anyway. In, some, in one particular retailer... <laughs> the behaviour of some of their customers is horrendous. All decency, all politeness, all care for others is lost as they rip things off the hangers to get as big a bundle as possible to try and get a bargain. We could learn something from them if it's, if it's not their passion. But we have something of much more worth in Jesus Christ. How much more as we come week by week, morning by morning, to allow Jesus to captivate us to such an extent that I want to rush into his presence to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Why? Because he is infinitely worthy of the very best I can give him. Not the dregs that I've got as I can drag myself here on a Sunday morning. But to know when I've finished here on Sunday morning, I've given him my best. To give the best of your day to Jesus. The Apostle Paul, towards the end of his life, said this. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Everything a loss. Nothing compares to you, Lord Jesus. You are my prize. It's all pointing to him. And as I close, I just want to encourage you. That your people, you'll all be in different places. For some of you, I, I, I just, my hope and prayer is that as I've communicated something of this today, that you will be freshly passionate to give Jesus your best over the next 25 minutes as we worship him. Just to say, um, it's going to be a sacrifice of praise and worship to my Jesus. But for some of you, you're, you're here today, and actually, you, you, you know you've come, and you, you come here for wrong reasons. Or they're good reasons, but they're not the ultimate reason that's Jesus. And if that's the case, you, you need to spend just a bit of time repenting, say, Lord, I'm sorry I've been amazed at, rather than being amazed at you. And for others of you, you're just searching, you're looking in. You're not really certain on this Jesus character, but there is something that you like about us. You're so welcome to keep coming and enjoying whatever that is that you enjoy about us. But in the end, as hopefully you've heard from me this morning, we're actually passionate about one man, Jesus Christ. That's what it all points towards him. Our crucified and risen saviour. And our greatest desire is that you would be passionately caught up with him like so many of us here are. Giving you the best of your life to following him. Why don't we stand, if I can invite the band back up. Destination Jesus. Just as the band are sorting themselves out, why, why don't you just do a bit of business with God? 
at whatever level um, God is speaking to you at this morning, why don't you just start to talk to him? You may never have spoken to him before. This is an opportunity for you to do it the first, for the first time. Speak to him just like you speak to a person next to you. So just in your, in your own time, why don't you close your eyes? If you feel God has convicted you about saying, why don't you just bring that to him? He's a loving, loving father. Jesus Christ came to take our sin. Why don't you give it to him now? Why don't you do for definite what we don't know if Simon ever did do? Which is repent and give your life to Christ again. Saying, Jesus, I'm living for you. Now it's warm this morning but we're going to spend some time worshipping Jesus, we're going to break bread have bread and wine it's just an opportunity for us to do business with God Lord Jesus we say that we prize you more than anything else Lord I, I say I, I see you and your salvation work and I say Lord it is, it is beautiful to me You are beautiful to me. I say, Lord, have first place in my heart. I say, Lord Jesus, that as I sing out my songs, I I might lift my hands, I I might jump up and down, I may even cheer a bit, but it doesn't really matter in a sense, but I'm doing it for you. Because you are worthy, Lord Jesus. It's about you. And magnifying your glorious name. You are infinitely worthy of praise and it's my delight to be able to connect with you this morning. Let's spend some time just worshipping Jesus, giving him our best and we'll see how we're going to respond a bit later.